Uh, as Brent said, we're going to talk about old man Marley today. That's uh, uh, Kevin's next door neighbor. And uh, old, man, old man Marley was a guy who, in, in the beginning of Kevin's relationship with him, which the relationship between Kevin and old man Marley kind of mirrors, in some ways, your relationship with God. And a lot of times, the way that begins with a lot of people is the way his began. It began with fear. Fear. Y'all know what fear is, right? Everybody has fear. Now, we sang a song just a couple weeks ago. It talked about fear and being uh, delivered from that fear, set free from that fear. And, and I was thinking, you know, I wonder how many people are, are really, you know, are really reaching into that, you know, digging into that and say, yeah, that's me. Because I think, you know, for us guys, sometimes it's hard to say, you know, we're afraid or, or we're scared of something, right? Tell you a story. I, I've told other people this story. Very few people. I think I've told it a couple times in the last month. I don't think I've ever told publicly like this before the nine o'clock service this morning. So you're going to hear a story uh, about pastor you, you, you probably never, ever heard. When I was a little, I don't even remember how, how old I was. I'm thinking nine or 10, just trying to remember other things going on in my life during then. I went, uh, went on a trip with uh, a couple of my gr- grandparents, my mom's parents, and, uh, and I don't remember them ever doing this. Uh, and, and I went with them, and I, I don't remember them ever doing this any other time. You know, uh, something was really special about it this time, you know, because, you know, grandparents used to not be as cool and fun as I am, you know, so, but uh, th- this was one opportunity that I had, and I went with them. I believe we went to, to Mobile. On the way to Mobile, we uh, passed a, a carnival that was just set up on the side of the road, you know, they just set up a carnival. So we pulled over. I don't remember a whole lot of details. I remember, though, there was a haunted house, and uh, when we got there, what I, another thing I don't remember, I don't remember how I ended up in the haunted house because I'm not the kind of guy who gets out of the car and says, hey, a haunted house, we got to go. I'm the guy that says, if we really have to, okay, I'll go to the haunted house. I don't remember exactly how I got in the haunted house. I do remember walking up steps, remember about walking in the door, and that's about all I remember until I get in the in this pitch blackness, pitch dark blackness, I can't see anything. I, you know, there, for a moment, there's a, a light way ahead of me, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. And there's this little boy. He's maybe a year or two younger than me. He starts crying like a little girl, and uh, and, and you know, he starts crying, he starts screaming, and I start crying, and I start screaming, and I, I'm lost. I can't see anything. And there's a teenage girl. I don't know where she came from. I, I, I think she was in between us when we walked in the door, but I don't know exactly. And so she's yelling. You know, she's having to yell to get our attention. She's telling the little boy, "Here, hold my hand." She tells me, "Grab, grab the strap on my purse that's hanging on her shoulder," because she had to have one hand to feel. Because I mean, you couldn't see anything. And so here, both of us, we're crying and we're screaming. You know, and she's trying to say it's going to be all right. And she's leading us through. And so we're crying all the way through this. Thing we finally get to a place where I can see a little bit of light, and it's okay. We're almost out of this thing, so I start wiping my eyes, you know, because I don't want anybody outside to know I've been in here crying like a little girl, you know. So I'm wiping my eyes, everything, trying to compose myself. I get, I get as best I can. I walk out the, I walk out the door, walk down to my grandmother, granddad, and and you know, and and I. I don't have any idea what they ask, what they say. I don't remember if they asked me how I liked it or any of those kinds of things. I just remember, you know, trying to be as cool as a nine or 10 year old little boy can be who's been crying like a little two year old inside this haunted house. You know, so, so nobody said, we start talking about what we're going to do next and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden I realized there are speakers on the haunted house. I recognize them before we went in, but I now realize that those aren't just noises that are just like from a horror show or anything like that. 
They were actually from microphones that were inside the haunted house. So everybody in the carnival knew that I was screaming like a little bitty girl inside the haunted house. And so now, all of a sudden, that fear has changed into another fear that has overcome me. You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, we, since then, I don't think I've ever had that kind of fear. We have different kinds of fear, all right? There are different types of fear. That When, when our little girl, who is now 30 one, 32 years old. When she was six weeks old, she had to have surgery. Uh, Pleurxenosis, she had to have a little procedure done. And, uh, you know, we, we were really young. And they, they told us, you know, several things. They said, the doctor will come back up here and talk to you when it's over. Take about 45 minutes, the procedure and all that. When the uh, anesthesiologist came in to meet with us before they took Kristen back, he stood there and he was like rubbing her hand and and, you know, and this is the professional, right? This is the guy who puts people to sleep. And he worked at Children's Hospital, so he's putting kids to sleep every single day. He's rubbing her hand, and he said, oh, it's such a shame to have to put such a little one to sleep. And I'm like, what? Well, then let's not do it. You know, if you're the professional. This is what you do every day, and you're worried about this. Let's not do it. Let's find some other way to feed her, you know? <laughs> we'll figure out something, you know? And, and so they do that. Okay, now, we were real young, okay? So we did not know that when, when the hospital says 45 minutes, what they really mean is two hours and 45 minutes, right? So we didn't hear anything for forever, you know? And then all of a sudden, the phone rings. We pick up the phone, and it's a nurse, and she says, the doctor would like to meet with you in conference room, da 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 on whatever floor and everything. Okay, now all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I was nervous, getting worried, but now all of a sudden, I'm dying inside. Because that doctor was coming to talk to us, it's taken more than twice as long, and he's not coming up here. He wants us, to, he is telling, gonna tell us that something went wrong with our little girl. But I don't tell Dave any of this, you know, because Dave was right there with me. I, all of this is going on inside of me. I, I am dying inside. We ride down the elevator. We walk into the room. He finally walks in. I am looking at his face. I am reading everything. And finally he says, he says, everything went well. And, you know, and then I'm overjoyed and I'm, you know, wanting to go put my arm, hands around his neck and say, why couldn't you have just said that over the phone instead of dragging us down here and making us go through all that? I have not had that fear. I don't think since then, 30-something years now, I've not had that fear in my life since then. There are all kinds of fears, and you've dealt with some of those, right? I, I looked up the definition of fear, and I'll put, uh, give you a few words and a few phrases of what, what fear is right here. It can be a distressing emotion. It can be a concern, an anxiety, a dread or an apprehension, an unpleasant anticipation. So it may not be something like you're scared the boogeyman's gonna, gonna come get you, but it's maybe just something that you've gotta deal with tomorrow, that unpleasant anticipation, or it can be an alarm, an awareness of danger. So when, when, when we talk about fear, talk about being afraid, talk about being scared of something happening, we're not necessarily talking about you know, something that you, know, you guys have to say, no, I'm, I'm not afraid. You know, we're not talking about all those kinds. We're talking about concerns, anxieties, anticipations, and just awareness of something that isn't quite right, okay? And we all have those. As a matter of fact, probably every one of us sitting here right now has a fear of some kind in our life, something that we're dealing with, okay? And Kevin was dealing with this as well, okay? So we're gonna talk, relate this just a little bit. Here's the danger, though. When we live scared, when we live scared, a lot of bad things happen. Now, I listed just a few of them right here, okay, on, on this next slide. And, you know, I haven't preached in three weeks, so this is just a few things, right? Uh, that's how a few things becomes a lot of things, right? Uh, when we live scared, we make hasty decisions. We run 
Often we run from our own purpose. When we live scared, we give up or we hesitate. We miss potential. We choose what is easy over what is best. When we live scared, we hurt people. We allow wrongs to continue. We see something wrong happening, but because we're scared, we don't speak up. We hold our peace and let the wrong continue. When we live scared, we build walls. We miss those that Jesus has given to us. When we live scared, we don't share what we know. We don't share the good that we already know when we live scared. We miss miracle opportunities when we're scared. When we live scared, we, we miss opportunities. And, and, and listen, I, I've, got, I've got scriptures, especially this one. There's a bunch of scriptures. They're on the Sundays page. You go there, you link, there's one long page. It'll come up in your browser, and you'll just see scripture after scripture after scripture about, about these things right here. We miss miracle opportunities when we live scared. Uh, when we live scared, we cause others to be afraid and to live scared. The people around you will also, they'll, they'll pick up on your fear. When we live scared, we lie even to God. We do the opposite of what we should, and when we live scared, we miss God. All these things happen to us when we live scared. So we need to not live scared because you know what? I don't want one of those things to happen in my life. But when you live scared, all of these things can happen in your life. I don't want any of those. As a matter of fact, I want the very opposite. Of all that. I, want, I want God's best. I want amazing. I want awesome. I want miraculous. I, I, want, I, want the, I want the amazing life. I want the amazing marriage. I want the, the amazing uh, in a, my relationships. I want amazing in my finances. I want amazing in my home. I want amazing every day of my life. I want amazing when I wake up in the morning. I want amazing all day long. I want amazing in the afternoon. I want amazing in the evening. When I lie down at night and I go to sleep, I, I, I want to have an amazing night. I, I want that for every part of that. But fear destroys all of that in all those areas. All those areas. How does fear come? Why, why, are, why are we afraid? And not, not, you remember, not just in that little two-year-old, but why are we afraid? And why, why does fear come? And get you several reasons out here. If you Google the top reasons of fear, this is, this is what you're going to get. Loneliness. Like Kevin. Kevin was alone. The unknown. I mean, that, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? You got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. You hear from a test this week. What happens? The unknown, I don't know, I don't know. That's, that's where fear comes from. The, uh, the, the, the concern, the anxiety, discomfort brings fear. Pain brings fear. Failure brings fear. Loss brings fear. Rejection brings fear. Judgment, the fear of being judged by somebody. Come on, you, you ladies, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because yeah, everybody's going to check out your clothes and see how all that, and well, how you look, your weight, and all those things. And the thing about this is, we allow these things also to impact our relationship with God. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll do the same things. We'll make hasty decisions instead of talking to God about it. But we'll build walls and, and we'll miss him. We'll, we, we, because of the, the, the unknown, you know, the discomfort. Hey, spiritual stuff, that's outside of our comfort zone a lot of times, right? And, and so, so that, that causes fear and anxiety, uh, pain, rejection, or being judged. I mean, he, he, here's, here's how this thing begins. It, is Brent said last week, talking about Herod, for a lot of us, this is the way it begins. 
about how Herod, when he heard the Magi came and he asked them and they said that we've come to worship the king of the Jews. And so then he, he got all of his experts around and said, tell me about this king of the Jews guy, whatever. And so Herod has this bad attitude, this wrong attitude, this wrong idea of the, of the king of the Jews, of Jesus Christ coming. He has this wrong idea, so he gets ready to kill him and he, and, and he kills all the babies under two years of age in the area because of this. And why? Because of what his experts had told him. What his experts had told him. You know, just like Buzz... Buzz was Kevin's expert. Oh, don't you just feel sorry for the little brothers of this world? That their number one expert in their life is their big brother, you know? <laughs> Come on, some of you big brothers, you know what we've, did, we've done, right? And sometimes we don't do it like Kevin, we don't do it on purpose. Sometimes we just don't know the answer, we just make something up. We fake it till we make it, right? You know? And, and so poor, poor little brothers, you know, that have to, have to deal with all that. That's, that's where Kevin was. His expert was Buzz, and Buzz said, oh man, Marley, you know, and so, so, so Kevin was scared to death of old man Marley, and then he meets him for the first time. Where? In church. We'll get there in a moment. When he meets him in church, what does he say? He says, there's some things being said about me that aren't true. You see, that's what happens to a lot of us with God also. Somebody else has told us something about God, and it's not true. And so you, so you know what happens? Here's what happens. It's like, it's like Kevin was, was dealing with now the threat of being alone, and I've, and I've got these two, two burglars who are wanting to break into my house, and I'm living next door to Charles Manson, you know? So this is what Kevin is thinking in his life, and that's the way some of us are. It's like we're dealing with all this junk all week long, and we come to church, and some of you have, a, have that attitude like somebody's told you about how, how God is such this God of judgment and all of these things that, that you know, you can't hardly get by it as you're sitting here waiting for the spirit of Charles Manson from God to come and judge you for all the stuff that you've done, right? He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you did. Or, or, or maybe you're worried that God's about to speak it to the pastor and he's going to say it out loud in front of everybody, right? That's the attitude a lot of people have about God. So they deal with junk all week long and some people come to church and they're just, they're just so fearful. Oh man, you've got the wrong view of God if that's who you've got. You know? and, and here's the problem. It's when we have a wrong view of God. We miss out on the most awesome relationship of our lives, the most awesome possibilities in our lives when we have a wrong view of God. You need the right view of God. You know what you're going to have to do? Especially if you're unchurched or de-churched, or, or no, if you're churched or de-churched. You know, if you're de-churched, if you, if you got out of church and, and now you're back in church, there was a reason you left church. And if you're, so if you're de-church, let me tell you, you're going to have to unlearn some stuff. You're probably going to have to unlearn some stuff about God because some people have probably told you, or, or well, maybe you've inferred yourself, is because you've looked and you said, well, that person that hurt me was a Christian, and that must be what God is like also. No, listen, we're all Christians, but, but we all mess up from time to time as well. That's not who God is, and you need to unlearn some stuff. Every one of us has to it from time to time. If you're de-churched or, or if you've been churched all your life, you've probably got some stuff that you have said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, this wasn't God. That wasn't God. Let me take you to some scripture this morning. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Sound familiar? Okay, we're going to back up a little bit before verse 11 because we've got to roll into this just a little bit, all right? Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 8. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I skipped the word yes, didn't I? You got that? That word yes is almost like amen. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Now, I've read this a bunch of times, but I hadn't read this in a while. And uh, last week or the week before preparing this message, 
and, and I got to this, first, I got to that and I had to back up. So, oh, wait, wait a minute, I've, I've read that wrong because I'd forgotten what it said here. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. And I thought, wait a minute, that's not what this says. Is that a typo? You know, I, I, I had to go check another Bible version to make sure that, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a typo in, in, in what I was reading. And, you know, it said that. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them. It doesn't, isn't it, didn't he mean to write there or say there, do not listen to the dreams they are encouraging you to have? No, he says, do not listen to the dreams you are encouraging them to have. Here's how, here's how this is going, okay? Here's, here's, here's what Marley would say to Kevin. Old man Marley would say to Kevin. He would say, Kevin, quit listening to Buzz and quit encouraging him to tell you all this stupid stuff about me. Because, you know, when you listen to it and you get all excited and you get all scared, it encourages him to tell you even, quit doing it. When he starts telling you, just get up and walk out of the room. That's what God is saying. If somebody's told you about this, this God of the Old Testament that's standing there with a hammer just waiting for you to mess up so he can, you know, you know kind of whack a mole kind of a thing, you know, and he's just waiting on you to mess up so he can whack you on the head, you, you need to stop listening to that junk and listen because, can I tell you something? We're reading the Old Testament right here. We're reading the Old Testament right here, and, and God says, this is what I say. Quit listening to the buzzes, the so-called experts of your life. Quit listening to what they say about me, and listen to what I say about me. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And then verse 10 says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. I will come to you. I will come to you, and, and I will fulfill my good promises. He, he will fulfill his promise. Fulfill it. He will make it happen to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans. Here, here's what he's saying, okay? He's saying, all these people are telling you all of this stuff. And they're telling you what to believe about me. They're telling you what, what to think about me. They're telling you that this is the way I act, that I'm this, I'm this God with a hammer waiting to kill. They're telling you all that. You, you quit praying to me and say, oh, God, I know that you're a God that, that judges and does all this. And God says, quit telling that kind of stuff to me. Don't tell me. I know what I plan for you. I know how I feel about you. I know how my heart breaks for you. I know what is in my Don't tell me what I think about you. I know what I think about you. I know the plans that I have for you. And these are the plans I have for you, God says. He says, I plan to prosper you and not to harm you. And why does he throw that in there? I've always thought that is so out of place. You see, because, you know, I'd, I'd do all three of them together and I'd put that negative one aside somewhere, you know? And, and that's one of the reasons it kind of sticks out. But it's like, prosper you, give you hope in the future, but then he throws in not to harm you. Plans to, pro and not to harm you. You know why he had to throw that in there? Because some of them believed that's who he was, that he was a God that wanted to harm them. He was, a God, he was the whack-a-mole God. He was the one with the hammer. He was ready, just anticipating any moment. That, that was the God. That's why he had to throw that in there. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And if this God 
It's not the God that is in your mind, that is in your, your consciousness, your understanding of who God is, then you've got the wrong God. You need to unlearn that. You need to dump that stuff. You need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of stuff that you've been told, stuff that you've thought, because that's, that's the wrong God. This is who God says, even in the Old Testament, before grace, before mercy, before the blood of Jesus, before the birth of Christ, before his death on the cross, before his resurrection, on and on and on. This is what he says. He says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and to give you future. That is who your God is. And you, you need to embrace that. And, and some of you, some of you still look at him like that. Oh, I was, I was reading a psalm the other day. It just came to my mind. I, I wish I'd remember which one it was, where he says he does not remember all of our sins. You know what? That's something I had to unlearn. Because I remember, I remember growing up thinking, man, God, God's writing them all down. He's got every one of them, you know, and if I, if I forget, if I don't re- repent over this one or that one, you know, I might be in trouble. And the psalmist said, he does not remember all of our sins. They're under his blood. This, this is the God. This, this, this is the God that we serve. You know, Brent said, I think it was two weeks ago, he said in the first week, got a quote from him two, from two weeks ago. He said, uh, we need to be looking for those who are looking. Why? Because Jesus is. He's looking for those who are looking. Kevin finally meets Marley at church. Isn't that interesting? Now, there's one guy that's got a video out there online, and if you found it, they say he, he really takes this thing way, way out here, okay, and everything. And there's kind of weird things going on there with, I'm wondering some about the writer or the director or something. But he meets him in church. Why? Because Kevin is messed up. Kevin's got some problems, and he's looking for a place to find some answers and some solutions, and guess what? He meets old man Mark, but he meets him for the first time. And, and uh, old man Marley comes over to, to meet him, you know, and as he, this is the camera, you saw the clip a minute ago, it's the camera, you know, he's panning over, you know, it's ominous, and, and then he says, Merry Christmas. And, and Kevin goes, you're not the Marley I was expecting to meet, exactly. Some of you need to hear that. Because some of you, you you've, got the, you've, got this, you've got this old, old man God in your spirit. You need to get rid of That's not who he is. That's not him. And get rid of that. And, and, and then who is he? He's the one that is looking for someone who's looking. That's what he's doing. Uh, you know, Jesus is there for everybody. He is open to everybody, but he's looking for those who are looking. And as soon as, soon as Kevin starts looking for his answers, boom, Marley shows up. As soon as you start looking for your answers, he's, already, he's always been there, but as soon as you start, he's looking for you. He's looking for you. And, and, and I'm not just talking about those who maybe that you've never met Jesus, but those of you who've known Jesus a long time, but you just started looking for him again this week because this week was a rough week. Your pastor's all excited about Christmas. Yeah, I wish it would last two or three more weeks. Right before the first service, I ran into Francis Newman. I said, now that you're out of retail, you probably enjoy Christmas too, don't you? You know, so Christmas is different for some people, right? And so it's not, you know, all of that and a bag of chips for everybody. As a matter of fact, you know, the good of Christmas and the bad of Christmas is, seem to be heightened at Christmas. The good of life and the bad of life seem to be heightened at Christmas. For those who are alone, seem more alone when everybody else is together. For those with problems and financial problems, especially, you know, if you can't, it just seems to be even more heightened. And if that's you and you're, you're, you're saying, I, I got to have something, and you're look, 
He's looking for you. Jesus is looking for those who are looking. That's what he's looking for. And, and let me take you to the next three verses of Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 12, 13, and 14. This is the next thing Jesus said, God says right, at, right after that. He says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I love how he did that. He brought that right back, said it again. If you look for me, but then he says, I will be found by you. You know, I, it's going to happen. I will be found by you. You ever told your mom something? And then she said, no, this is what you will do so-and-so. <laughs> you know, mom, I'm not going today. She said, no, you will go to school today. You remember, remember back in those days, you know? Uh, Mom, I'm not going to the family thing. No, you will get on your clothes, walk down the steps, get in the car. You know, you will. And that's what God's saying. God says, I will be found by you. This is not a maybe. This, this is God saying, it's going to happen. When you need me, when you start looking, it's going to happen. I will be found by you. Wow. You see, because Jesus, he's not just a great friend. He's not, let me, let me show you in, in, in the story of Kevin and Mr. Marley. He's not just a great friend. Kevin never asked Mr. Marley for anything. Never does. Because you know what? At first, he doesn't even realize he needs Mr. Marley. So he doesn't ask him. And, and, and um, then he finally comes to a place where he does need something he can't provide for himself. You know, he, he gets himself in a place hanging on a hook, got two Hoodlum's about to bite his fingers off. He's in a place he needs some help, right? He finally gets to a place that he needs somebody. And you know what? Even then, he doesn't even call out to Mr. Marley. Mr. Marley just shows up. He just shows up with the shovel. The shovel, to, you know, uh, of legends, you know, and puts the two crooks down, right? And so, wait a minute. How did Marley show up right at that right moment? Is that just one of those movie things? No, no, no. Just think, think about it. How, could that really happen? Yeah, if... Marley had been watching all along. If he'd been paying attention, if he saw Kevin get in a place where he couldn't help himself and he saw these guys doing this. So, so here, here's what I'm saying to you. You know what, some of you, some of you have, have not asked God for a thing. Some of you have asked God for the wrong things, you know, and you haven't asked God for the real the things that you really need. But sometimes there, there are people that have never asked God for anything because they don't really know they need them. You know, because uh, I can work this out. I got that problem at work, but I, I, I think I handle this one. You know, I don't need your help yet, God. Or, or, you know, financial situation is a little tight, but I can pick up a couple hours of overtime. I can handle this one. So you haven't even asked God for it. But you're eventually going, every one of us does. We all get to a place that we need more help than we can give to ourselves. We need something beyond what we can do ourselves. And you know what? When you get to that place and you start looking for God, guess what? He's going to be there because he already is there. Because he was already paying attention to your life. He sees what you're walking in. He sees the problems that are coming to you tomorrow. He sees all that. Even before the problems get there, guess what? He's already got the solution figured out for you. And so, so ju just like Kevin, just like Kevin is, and in your life, you can know this as well. Even, even before you ask, God's already going to be there because he's already there. He's already there. It's already, it's, it's, it's already set up and it's already going to happen. How, 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 how did this happen? Jesus is more than a great friend. He is the God that is with us. In the Old Testament, he has prophesied to be the God that was with us. In the New Testament, the very first chapter of the New Testament, and, and, and Jesus himself even promised that he would be with us. 
and he fulfilled that. But let me take you to Matthew chapter one, where this is promised uh, to, to Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Joseph, his, fa- his earthly father. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. There's that afraid word. Joseph wasn't scared the boogeyman was about to show up, okay? He was afraid of some other things. Now, I don't have time to preach all those things, but a lot of them would relate to some stuff you're dealing with, okay? Joseph was afraid. He said, don't be afraid, Joseph, because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus was his given name, and that's what they called him when they yelled for him, hey, Jesus. But when they, when they glorified Jesus, when they spoke about him, or we write songs about him today, you know what? We use a lot of other names too, you know? And, and here's one that the angel said. All this to, place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what this means. So when, have you ever heard a song that's had the title or, or, or the words Emmanuel? That's what it's saying. He is the God with us. That's what it means. He is the God with us. So, so when Jesus came to be born in that stable and laid in that manger, when that happened, why did that happen? It was God coming to be with us. You see, when you get to that place, and some of you are already there, you just had not admitted it to yourself yet, that you need more than you can do for yourself. When you get to that place, he's already going to be there because he already is there. He is the God that is with us. So what Kevin really finally understood, or what we now understand is that Kevin never was home alone. Marley was kind of always looking out for him, right? Marley was always kind of paying attention, something ain't right here or whatever. And he never was home alone. And so Christmas really is God fulfilling his promise that whether you're home or not, you were never alone. He'll always be with you. Now, let me dig into something real quick just before we close. I want to go back to Jeremiah, the next few verses. I don't want to read them to you, but there they are, verses 30 through 32. And God, in the, you know, just a few verses down from what we were reading just a few moments ago when he says, I will be found by you. He said, now, let, let me talk about this guy, God's saying. Let me talk about this guy, Shemaiah. Okay, let me tell you about Shemaiah. Now, Shemaiah, he's saying, quit listening to Shemaiah. I'm going to judge Shemaiah. I'm going to get Shemaiah out of your lives, God is saying. Kevin was dealing with, in the movie, Kevin was dealing with a couple of guys who wanted to steal his TV, his Xbox. Wanted to get in Buzz's closet or, you know, find his money or whatever, you know? Steal some jewelry. You know, because that's a movie. You know, that that would have been bad. But Shemaiah, Shemaiah, what he was doing is he was sowing discord in the hearts and the minds of God's people to tell them, don't trust in God. And what he was doing is he said, don't you believe God for your homes, for your families? Your re- their reputation was being destroyed by Shemaiah saying the things he was saying about God. And he was destroying their hope, their trust, their confidence in believing in God. Now, you know, it'd be a bad thing for you to get home from church today and find out that your Christmas tree had been cleaned out from underneath, somebody had broken in. But that's movie type stuff. What we're talking about is real stuff today. Because the enemy of your soul doesn't want to just steal your TV. He wants to steal your family. He wants to destroy your hope in God. He wants to destroy your your future. You know, all that stuff God says, this is my plans for you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you hope. I want to give you... That's what the real enemy wants to destroy. And that's what we've got to keep our focus on is realize 
We're, we're not talking about dollars and cents and possessions. We're talking about the important stuff. You know, if the worst problem you've had this Christmas is you were $100 short of buying all the Christmas gifts you wanted to buy, you ain't got no problems. If that was your worst problem this Christmas, you ain't got no problems. We're talking about serious stuff here. And I'm, I'm saying today, God doesn't just see what's coming against your family. He's also got the answer. And he's already looking, just waiting for you to say hi. Just waiting for you to say. You know, and, and I believe for some of you that's had a hard time just believing that he is the God that he is, just need, I believe you just need to look up into his face like Kevin did to Mr. Marley and just let Jesus just say, hey, Merry Christmas. And you just open up and realize, wait a minute, God really is here for me. Can I invite you to come to the front with you if you'll stand? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. We'd love to have you join us if you can, if you feel comfortable. Come on. I might not have preached about your specific need, but I've preached about your concern over your specific need, your anxiety, your care, your concern, you know, whatever's going on. I preached about that today. And so the prayer team is always ready no matter what your needs are. We want to pray with you over that thing. And if you've got a concern in some area, man, don't take it home with you without letting us pray with you today. We really want to do that. We want to believe with God to turn that concern into an answer. You know, let, let, let me give you this, just real quick. Um, last little thing. Kevin finally had to realize that Marley was a part of his life. Just like you and I need to realize, our own lives are inextricably. I, start, I tried to look and get a different word, because we don't use that word a lot. But I couldn't find a word that means exactly what I wanted to say right here, except inextricably. Our own lives are inextricably interwoven with God. And when, when Kevin realized and embraced that, I mean, when Marley walked in the door with a shovel to beat up the, he didn't say, no, 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 wait a minute. I don't want you in my life. No, he didn't do that. It's like, come on in, buddy. Got a new friend here. You know, uh, the, I get, the only thing that would have been better in the movie as far as for Kevin's life would have been for Kevin to realize that in the first place and go talk to Marley. And Marley said, oh, yeah, man, we got a problem. Him pick up the phone call and they pull everybody, the family back together, you know. They find out what's going on and everything, and Kevin's right. wouldn't made for much of a movie, would it? But we're talking about your life here. You don't want to live the Home Alone movie, do you? You want that. And so why would we wait and wait and wait knowing that God is standing at the door with the answer to deliver us, to meet our needs or whatever? I just, I just encourage you today, just, just see this, this God that says he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Just open yourself up to him today. And please, let us pray with you. Let us agree with you today that it be over. Your concern be taken care of. Let us pray with you today that whatever...